So please sit in a way that allows you to be at ease. And I want to begin by inviting you to notice, <clears throat> to notice again that basic, very elemental reality of sitting on the earth. Just noticing how that feeling of being planted on the earth comes to you. And in fact, we are earth element. We are made of the same stuff as the earth. One of the ways the energy of our lives manifests is as earth element, right? So we are earth resting on earth. It's an interesting possibility to consider. How do you give in to gravity? How do you allow the earth to actually support you? And that realization that we don't have to hold ourselves up as much as we usually do. The way that our shoulders have a tendency to move towards our ears is extra. So I invite you to allow that feeling of support as we continue tonight. And one other possibility, which is to feel your hands. Notice this most ordinary, mysterious reality, what we call our hands. And just take a moment to see what is the sensation here. There might be warmth. There might be vibration. There might be a feeling of the weight or lightness. Not looking for anything in particular. We're not looking for a special experience, but we're inviting ourselves to the actual experience. And so as we continue tonight, I want to point out to you that in this practice we are cultivating an awareness that is both grounded and spacious. Grounded and spacious. And so as we are sitting together, I invite you to consider the possibility that even though you are practicing listening, you also can practice staying present, present with your hands, with your whole body resting on the earth. Can you, can you open your eyes and still feel your hands? How's that? Possible? Yeah. 
pretty simple, but very helpful in the long run. It's one of the most helpful things we can learn, how to both be engaged in speaking and listening and still actually know that we're sitting. So, um, I also wanted to share one other thing with you. I was thinking about you and I was thinking about how many Dharma talks you will be listening to in your life. Um, Those of you who've been here forever already know that. There's lots of them. And I was thinking about my own experience of sitting and sitting with Dharma talks, and I, I uh, wanted to share something I discovered out of necessity. One of my beloved teachers, who I love and learned so much from, also is, um, she has the teaching gene. As Sylvia says, we all have the teaching gene. She has a super dose, and so she speaks quite a bit um, more than we do in this retreat. Uh, but uh, so out of necessity, I, I noticed that I actually listened to a Dharman talk several different ways, even within a single talk. I, I might be, for a period of time, right with the Dharma point and the story all the way to the end, and I'm really with the content of what's being said. There are other times when I'm just hearing the sound floating through space. Sound. Just the way I might hear the sound of the birds in the evening. It's one way to be present, is to be present to sound. Another way to be present is to be present to energy. To just presence to the feeling, the feeling tone, or the, the, the energetic feeling almost a transmission of energy when we just feel the intention we feel the intention of what's being said but we actually can't remember the beginning of the story it's just fine so I'm offering you this because uh, I, I think it might be at some point it might be really handy maybe even this afternoon (laughs) So everything we do in this retreat is for the is in the service of and for the benefit of our practice of awakening. And awakening to freedom which is already here, which is right here in this moment. If we can if we can rest here, if we can live here more and more, we begin to discover this. And there are many languages, many, many paths to the present moment, many invitations. Hafiz, the wonderful mystic poet, says, now is the time to know that everything you do is sacred. Now is the time to deeply know that everything you do is sacred. 
Brother Lawrence, one of the uh, one of the um, teachers who I have always appreciated, was a cook in a contemplative monastery, and the way he described practice is the practice of the presence of God. And in this practice, everything becomes an opportunity to be fully engaged with whatever is unfolding in the moment, whether it's chopping vegetables, washing pots, practicing the presence of God, in which nothing is left out. There's the devotion to the revelation of any moment. Many years ago, I attended a, a Zen Sashin, a seven-day retreat, which took place in a Trappist monastery in the New England countryside, a place called Spencer Abbey. And half of the participants in this retreat, this was about 19... 76, half of us were hippie Buddhist practitioners, and the other half of us were these venerable Trappist monks who had been a lifetime in their cloistered monastery, and they were there in their black and white robes and their venerableness. And we all sat together for seven days. And the Japanese Zen master, who was the teacher for this retreat, every day he said the same thing over and over again. It was a pithy Dharma talk. He said, how do you know Buddha nature while looking at pine tree? And then he would say, how do you know God? while looking at pine tree. Over and over again, same question. It's called a koan, unanswerable question, reminding us that it's really not about words. It can't be uh, really captured in words, what we're, this freedom which we are, we are here for. And so words can only point to what can actually only be experienced directly. In our practice, we talk about coming home, coming back again and again to the direct sensing, the direct experience, to drop below the level of words, to drop below the level of our ideas, about life, our ideas about our own life. Sylvia pointed very clearly last night to how quickly the rug can be pulled out from under our ideas about our lives, how quickly our health, our families, our work can change in a moment. So when we are interested, when we become interested in the possibility of living more in the present, 
when we become curious about what it would take to drop into the direct experience of life. One of the great discoveries is, as I said before, but I'm going to say it again because it's so amazing and slippery. You know what I mean? Things are slippery, these insights. It is that we are being invited not to try to find something special to be present for. We are being invited not to a special experience, but to the actual experience. We are being invited to the actual experience. We are being invited to be present to what is right in front of us, whether it's the pine trees in rural Massachusetts or the rolling round hills of Spirit Rock, whether it's the 10,000 joys or the 10,000 sorrows of our lives. And so whether the experience in this moment is easy or hard, pleasant or unpleasant, where the body is comfortable or uncomfortable. Whatever is happening, we are cultivating a way of meeting this moment, whatever it may bring, with a quality of attention which is generous, kind, which is open and receptive, spacious and inclusive. I especially am fond of the inclusive quality of this practice. It feels trustworthy to me that whatever I experience, I can include in my practice. It just feels such a relief that even though sometimes I may leave myself out or I may have some part of myself that I leave outside of the door of my heart, my practice is not, in, not leaving anything out. I sometimes say when I'm trying to convince someone that they too are included, whatever we bring to our practice, we are included. There is space for it. Sometimes I say, find me something that is not included in this practice and come and tell me. It's such a miraculous thing to feel that whatever we bring, there is space for it. There is room for even this, even this sadness, even this confusion, even this overwhelm. Everything else may fall apart. Our work, our bodies, our families, our ideas of ourselves. And yet, there is a refuge here which will hold us through even that, even the calamities, the catastrophic realities of life.
our habit and our conditioning tells us that who we are is the content of our experience. Now, this word conditioning is also a really important word. The Buddhists use this word a lot. Conditioning. We all have it. We are all the product of at least one lifetime of conditioning. At least. That means that we, we should not be at all surprised by anything that arises in our minds. Big surprise. Where do you think that judgment came from? This was not your idea, this judgment. It is a conditioned response. It comes from a long history. And we don't have to dissect the history. We just need to notice, ah, judgment. Or, oh, analyzing. Yeah, planning. These are the realities of my conditioning. This is how I have made my way through my life. This is how I've survived. What do I think? It's going to all disappear because I came to a retreat? No, we bring ourselves with us. We can't say that enough times. I'm sure that's been said at least once. It's true. So gradually we begin to see that the more we rest in the awareness that holds it all, the more we rest in awareness itself, instead of identifying so much with the passing show, the more freedom there is. And the simpler life becomes. The more we rest in our awareness, this quality with these qualities of awareness that we're cultivating, these really loving awareness is what it is. It is tender, loving awareness, which we are learning to bring to ourselves. What other kind of awareness would we want to cultivate? It's inherent in the practice and in how we bring the practice and in how we practice together. This is the quality of, of presence. And so the more there is the possibility of being able to step back and to see the big picture and to be able to perhaps have the possibility of recognizing what is actually needed in the moment. And so when we act, after nine days or whatever amount of time of not acting, of not deciding, of not rushing to figure anything out, there's the possibility that the person, that person at the end of this retreat will actually be more spacious, more open, and more capable of meeting the next thing that we have to do. Not always. Sometimes we just react. Big surprise. It's what we're conditioned to do. We are reorienting our cellular 
reality, our neuroplasticity, to coin, to use a coined phrase. We are use, we are reorienting towards a whole other way of being. It's not a one-time thing. It's a practice, and this is why we call it a practice. We are beginning to have the possibility that we might begin to trust our own wisdom. We might begin to trust our own capacity to see clearly. How does that sound? How does that feel? Our main job, I love my job, it's a great job, is holding up a mirror so that you can see how you're doing as you walk along your path. Oh, I really recognize that. I really saw something different or differently. I really recognized. Sometimes the recognition is recognizing how much we don't see. And that's really important. Recognition, another one of my favorite words, to recognize the moment, the moment of contentment, the moment of relaxation, perhaps. Sometimes someone will come in and say, I've I've been feeling really... I don't know, it's like I don't have my usual edge or, you know, I just don't feel quite alert and, and I don't feel quite with it or, you know. And um, as we continue to explore what they're actually experiencing, they, it turns out they are experiencing relaxation, <laughs> which is what they came to the retreat to experience, but it's so unknown, it's so unfamiliar that it requires someone holding up a mirror to see, oh, wow. It's so un- such an unknown experience. And it's very helpful to recognize when we touch into these unfamiliar, this unfamiliar territory, which could be anything for you. It could be alertness for the first time. Sometimes people sleep for the first few days and then it's like, oh, oh, I feel so bright. So whatever is happening to recognize it, is, this is the path, this is the unfolding. And so how we meet the moment, the quality of our awareness, the meeting moment with the moment with spaciousness, is one of the important aspects of our practice, which we are cultivating. Whenever we find ourselves contracting in the face of something that is difficult, uncomfortable, unfamiliar, it's a signal, it's it's a reminder. Invite in some space, invite in some relaxation, invite in check to see that you're allowing the breath to flow. Sometimes, literally, inviting in more space is helpful. You might find that you would like to sit outside. Um, 
you might like to open your eyes a little bit to let in a little bit of sense of the space in which we're sitting just to open up the inner space. Inner space can be cultivated sitting quietly without taking a walk, without sitting outside. And it's important to allow yourself to do both, to become aware of the inner sense of space and to really recognize it when it comes, when it, when it arises. Because there will be moments, as you know, when we'll find ourselves in the airplane, in um, you know, a busy city, in a hotel room, a place where it's not so spacious. And so this cultivation of space is both an inner and outer experience which we are, we are blessed to be in this particular environment to support us in this. The other aspect of our practice, uh, which we're balancing with this sense of spaciousness, is groundedness. And so establishing this awareness in our bodies is, again, part of the practice. And so I invite you to notice. Can you notice your body? Ah, Maybe we could breathe together. Ah, 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 the great sound of release. Ah, and feeling your, feeling yourself returning to this contact with the earth. that feeling of support, of stability, of solidity of the earth being here when you need it. Joanna Macy, one of our wise elders in our community, says it like this. She says, all of our sensations are signs of life. All the feelings in our bodies are signs of life, letting us know our nature, letting us know that we are inseparable from the natural world, inseparable from the elemental reality of life, that we are made of vibration, pulsation, warmth, coolness. We are made of all of the forms of energy, the, the whole spectrum of energy. Breath flowing in and flowing out. The element of air, in, inseparable from our lives. All of the elements are right here. We start to notice that. And we have a, a, the possibility of realizing that we're actually made of the same stuff as the forest, as the hills, as the ocean, 
there is something important about all of us as we sit here. You know, we may have different views and opinions. If we were talking, we would find out. Probably we do. And at the most important level of reality, the most significant, we are all sitting here on the earth, breathing. We're all sitting and breathing. What we have in common is so much more significant, actually, than our ideas about things, our changing views and opinions, and our different histories and life experience. All of that is not unreal. It is real. It is what makes us the unique, precious beings that we are. And it when I first began to hear this teaching, it had an important influence. It had a, a big impact, actually, on my life. And what happened, two things happened. First, I began to, I began to realize that I'm not alone. At the deepest level of reality, and a deep loneliness in me was healed at this primary level of reality. A deep loneliness was healed. I realized I'm actually made of the same stuff. I belong here. I'm part of this. Even if I don't always feel connected by, to all the people in my life, I, I have this connection with the natural world as a refuge. I'm made of the same stuff. How could I not be, how could I not belong here? And the second thing that happened that was deeply, deeply important is that I dropped to another level of permission, another level of realizing the possibility that I can live in this level of elemental awareness. That I can live in my body even when it's not comfortable. Because there is something very real about this. There is a deeper reality here than any of my ideas about life. In the direct experience of my living reality in my body, whatever my views and opinions about my body, it always comes back to, this is real. This is, this is the real thing, right here. And what is amazing and liberating is that as we gradually drop begin to drop out of our ideas about life into directly experiencing life, feeling the sensations of life, the flowing, changing sensations of life, sensing life instead of thinking about it. That's our conditioning, right? 
to think about life. We have a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas about our lives. But to begin to sense life, the moment-to-moment experience of life, and also, very important, if we let go a little bit of our need to be comfortable every moment. And instead we become curious about what we're actually experiencing. We begin to discover that all of this activity is actually energy. Sensations in the body are energy. Energy in all of its changing forms. All of the elements are energy. The flow of warmth flowing into coolness. Have you noticed the temperature changes within the hour that we sit here? The light changes within one hour significantly. We were in darkness at the end of the talk last night. The elements are in constant, very subtle, but sometimes quite significant flow and change. That is their nature. Not only that, our thoughts are energy. Waves of emotion are energy. Sensations in the body. We begin to discover by our own direct experience that our essential nature is this flow, this river of aliveness. Our essential nature. We are not as solid as we seem. We're made of energy. In fact, we are a field of energy. And the nature of energy is to flow, to move, to change forms. That's the nature of energy. It wants to move. It changes forms. We'll come back to that this evening. Energy wants to move. It wants to change. It wants to flow. It is, by definition, alive. So as we begin to learn how to bring this quality of spacious awareness, of open, receptive, allowing, generous, kind awareness to our experience, in which there is no demand and no expectation that things will be a particular way. We may discover that the energies that we have experienced as being so solid, so seemingly unchangeable, can begin to move, can begin to flow, And we all have some things in our lives that we think are unchangeable, cannot change. What if anger transformed into clarity? What if confusion transformed into spacious awareness? So many possibilities. 
in the language of the Buddha, all of this is called anicca, change, impermanence. This morning, Larry mentioned that we have these tendencies to notice what's pleasant and to want to hold on to it, to have it happen more, to push away what is unpleasant. And additionally, there is also going to sleep, the going to sleep to what is not so interesting. And there is a way in which we all specialize in these energies, these tendencies. Have you noticed you might have a a specialty or two? Um, You might tend towards grasping or you might tend towards pushing the world away, the whole, we call it the aversion family, all of the energies of pushing the world away. Um, And and so... The teacher of my root teacher, uh, the Burmese master Ubek Hen, focused his teaching right here at this point. And the teaching is, if instead of following the energy of grasping, of following the, oh, I want this, how can I get more? Or how can I reorganize this because I need this to be different or what (laughs) instead of falling into those energies that take us out of the moment if instead we just notice that tendency we just notice that impulse. And instead of following the storyline, instead of following the thought or the impulse of that moment, we instead stay with the energy in our bodies. Stay with the direct experience. Stay with the sensation. What is the feeling of that impulse? What is the feeling of that comes in our bodies when there's that impulse? to move out. And what if we become curious about that? Become interested. Instead of following the story, the thought, the endless thoughts, the endless thoughts. Have you noticed that endless (laughs) aspect? Once we know that deeply, then we're ready for this teaching. Okay, well, what's the option? What are my options here? Okay, I can follow the endless story, the loop, the story I already know the end of, the one that I've already tried to change several times, but it always ends up looping. I can choose instead to drop back into the direct experience. Ah, how does... What's the actual experience in my body when that story arises? And the possibility is sometimes we can do it and sometimes we can't. 
That's the truth. And sometimes it's the right time to stay with it, and sometimes it's not. It's really important to have a lot of space around this, especially when it's an intense or or challenging storyline or energy or wave of emotion. And there is the possibility that we might have a taste of freedom if we allow ourselves to come to resting in, exploring, staying present for this natural flow of energy, the way sensations change, arise and dissolve, flow into something else. The nature of the body is this flow of energy. It wants to move. It will move if we allow it. We give it enough space. And so the taste of freedom that comes is also connected to this unwinding of the conditioning in our bodies. The unwinding of the energies that are held, the cellular memories, the cellular conditioning. It's all right here. You have the most fantastic laboratory in the world, right here. So when I first heard my teacher, my root teacher, Ruth, talking about this, I had no idea what she was talking about. I was just totally in the dark. I was so, I lived so far away from my body, I, could, I couldn't even relate to the language or, you know, what's she talking about? But I knew that the freedom that she was describing was what I wanted. <clears throat> and so I started following her around. I moved in with her. <laughs> I walked her dog and made her tea and whatever I could do. Don't get any ideas. I don't, I don't do this with anyone. So I usually don't reveal the fact that I lived with my teacher and waited on her for two years, but it slipped out. And I also don't necessarily recommend you move in with my teacher who still would probably take you in <laughs> at the age of 90. Um, I, I, only special people <laughs> qualify for that. You have to be really, really clear uh, with boundaries. <laughs> so it's the higher teaching. If you're ready for the higher teaching, come talk to me. Well, that was a little aside. Um, I don't think she would mind if I said that. How much I deeply appreciate her is so deeply interwoven into everything that I'm saying that she wouldn't mind if I acknowledged that it was a challenge for me deep challenge to um, to be that close to the higher teachings all the time. So anyway, I thought that what she was talking about was something mystical, which I would never have access to. I just wanted to be around it because I thought, well, I'll just hang out in the space. And actually, it was true that It was something quite mystical and totally ordinary. 
because what she was inviting me to was to begin to live right here in this present moment, in this body, not in my real body that I sometimes imagine, you know, well, someday I'll get back to my real body. Now, actually, this is, this is it. <laughs> so there was not an, an ideal thing that I was supposed to be trying to find. It was the, the direct experience of what was actually happening. And, and so that became the mystical, ordinary reality. I have such deep gratitude for that. So as we begin to live more and more in the present, more and more in the direct experience of our bodies, it requires of us that we include everything. That we include absolutely everything. (laughs) Including the realities of the aging body and mind, which our culture treats as a failure. How crazy is that? What else is going to happen? I mean, you know, Fortunately, if we're fortunate, we get to grow old. If we're really fortunate, we get to grow old. Our culture treats age as some kind of symptom to be treated, fixed, or hidden. including the limitations of our bodies. We have to open to the limitations, the actual limitations of our bodies. We have to include that. We live in a culture which is so out of touch with the natural cycles, the natural rhythms of life, that we learn to override even our ordinary, everyday tiredness. As I've started to get older, at a certain point, I really had to learn this because what I discovered was that if I didn't include tiredness in my awareness, the longer I live, the less aware I could be. Did you follow the logic of that? The more tiredness there would be with my aging process. And so if I was not willing to be present for that experience, there would be whole sections of my days when I wouldn't be present. So it's kind of a, out of necessity, I have begun to make friends with this experience. So what if instead of overriding it, we ask ourselves, what is the feeling of this tiredness? Larry asked us that this morning. We can't say this enough. What is the actual experience? How does it feel in my body? Maybe there's a lot more of that feeling of the earth element. 
of the heaviness when we feel tired. Maybe there's a feeling of warmth as we're about to fall asleep and fall into the well. But to notice that, oh, warmth, heaviness, ah, tiredness. Become interested, become curious. One of the things that happens, you may notice, you may already know this, is that we become curious and we actually wake up a little bit. We become interested. Oh, this is, wow, I've never actually noticed. What is the sensation in my body? And also with everything else. What if we became curious? Then we might actually notice that moment of contentment, which we came to the retreat for, but which could easily just slide right by because we were thinking about the past or the future. And we didn't recognize that we were actually feeling content now. We were so busy comparing it to, oh, this is so much like that time when I was, you know, in Machu Picchu, and I was so content. And we absolutely miss the fact that what we're actually experiencing in the moment is contentment. We're really fascinating creatures. (laughs) This becomes an endlessly fascinating process. It actually makes life incredibly interesting the more you notice what's going on. Embarrassing sometimes to discover what's going on. But ultimately, it's really a great adventure. And as we navigate this territory, it is helpful to remember one more thing that I just want to name, because I think sometimes in this practice, and certainly in this talk, there's been a lot about kind of the the wisdom aspect. But as you may know, the Dharma has two wings. In order to stay in balance, we need, we need the element of compassion. We need the energy of compassion. In order to stay in balance, wisdom and compassion are both absolutely essential. I think if I, if I had, if I still could remember what happened this morning or, you know, certainly the last 25 years, if I actually could remember all of the interviews that I've done and if I could tabulate, I would probably say that the one thing I spend most of my interview time with is inviting compassion for ourselves. So if you think that you are the only one who has an issue with being able to trans, trans, transition from feeling compassion for everyone else in the world except you. You're not. You're in very good company. It's one of the most important and challenging parts of practice. And so I want to take a moment as we close just to allow you to recognize the importance and just feel that in yourself. How very much you 
are included in the circle of all beings. How you are not left out And just like everyone else in this room, on this planet, there are times when you need to be touched by the tender mercy of compassion. And you may notice that right here we are swimming in a field of compassion. cultivated by the hundreds of beings who have come here just as you have come to remember ourselves. And to remember the absolute necessity of compassion. of tender, loving awareness. Wrap yourself in it. Breathe it in. Let it soak into your cells, to your pores. Rest in it. And allow this field of loving, tender awareness to awaken that in you, your own capacity is right here. And may the blessings of our practice be always for the benefit of all beings, without one exception. Thank you. We have two announcements. One is to remind you that we have an extra 45 minutes to uh, come back and we'll be back together at 7 rather than... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.